So you get me today instead of Jeff. Not as good as Jeff. I'll be reading a lot. He does such a good job of not reading. I think that most of us have experienced some type of tragedy in our lives. Um, Perhaps it was caring for someone that was terminally ill or an accident that left you or a close loved one um, emotionally scarred or physically. Um, And perhaps it was death of a loved one. The people we often think that will be there for us in our time of need aren't always the ones that have your back. And individuals who might not be as close to us may surprise us and will rise up to the occasion and be there for you. Those of you that heard my testimony a couple of weeks ago may remember that I went through a situation with cancer, my diagnosis, my treatment, my recovery, um, and I thought being married to my husband meant that he would always be there for, for sickness and in health. Um, so I can't begin to tell you how surprised I was when he wasn't there. But there were people who stepped up to the plate, friends, family, acquaintances. They came to support me in ways I didn't ask for, I didn't expect, but was so blessed and grateful for it. This happened to Jesus when he was arrested, beaten, crucified, and left to die on the cross. Where were his, where were his faithful disciples when all this happened? They scattered and fled. So who was with Jesus in his time of need? So this morning, I'd like to continue with our reading in Mark chapter 15, verses 40 to 47 of Jesus' death on the cross. Some of the women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Hoseas, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many of the other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Hoseas saw where he was laid. So if we can kind of start from the first verse. The first verse 40, some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Hoseas, and Mary Salome. So how many of you are thinking right now, what about Mary the mother of Jesus? I thought she was present when Jesus was dying on the cross. Or who thought the disciple John was present? So that was my initial reaction that I had. 
the first thing that struck me when I read this verse was that Mary, the mother of Jesus, wasn't there. Uh, it wasn't mentioned as someone being at the foot of the cross, crying and caring for Jesus. I thought that to be strange because in my mind, I had always thought that Jesus' mother was with him when he died. I also remember, kind of in the back of my head, through art um, history classes that I took in university, that there were so many artists that had depicted the time of Jesus' death. I mean, they weren't there at the time, but they made paintings. There's so many paintings of Jesus' death. But I think that just reinforced the impression that I had of this historic event. So I started asking friends and family who they envisioned was at the cross when Jesus had died. Everyone I asked had similar thoughts like I had. They thought that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there with other women that they couldn't identify. And also the disciple John was also a popular choice when I was asking people who was there. So first I researched this verse to make sure that the different Bibles, um, sometimes they're worded slightly differently, but I found the wording to be exactly identical in all the Bibles. So then I went through the other Gospels in the Bible to see what was recorded in each book. This is what I found. So Matthew chapter 27, verses 55 to 56, many women were there watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Hoseas, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. In the book of Luke, he doesn't describe who the women are except to say in chapter 23, verse 49, that all those knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. So then I read John's account of who was with Jesus at his demise on this earth. So John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. So the gospel of John is different from the other books. John is the only one to mention that Jesus is mother to be there that the Marys were nearby, not watching from a distance, that a disciple was present, and Jesus spoke to his mother, and he also spoke to the unnamed disciple as well. So how did John seem to have a more intimate, different, and descriptive account for the details of that event? Perhaps not all the disciples fled. Could it have been that John was actually there with Jesus, and so were the other women when Jesus died? Could it also be that John describes himself as being the unnamed disciple um, that Jesus loves? John is, in fact, the only disciple to make mention of Jesus making a verbal request for his mother to live and be cared for by the unnamed disciple. John has done this before, describing himself as an unnamed disciple. If you look in John chapter 18, 16. So I get the feeling that John humbles himself by being the only disciple who stayed with Jesus, 
but without naming names. In Mark verse 50, it states that everyone deserted Jesus and fled. Could the disciples have fled away in different directions from the place where Jesus was nailed to the cross, but close enough to perhaps still make out some of the events that were happening? Are the discrepancies between the Gospels a result of the variations and what people witnessed and remembered of what actually happened? Although each of the four Gospels give us a different emphasis regarding who was at the cross when Jesus died, we can piece together what was likely the entire group by compiling all the sources together. From the book of Matthew, Mark, and John, here is a list of the possible people that were there to witness Jesus' death. Number one, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Number two, Mary Magdalene. She was a Jewish woman who traveled with Jesus as one of his followers. She was witness to Jesus' crucifixion, his burial, and resurrection. Mary Magdalene was relatively wealthy and was also help, able to help Jesus' ministry. The third person, Joseph of Arimathea, he buried Jesus. The fourth, a disciple of Jesus, no name given. Number five, Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin. Number six, Mary Salome is the wife of Zebedee, and she was another follower of Jesus who was present at the crucifixion and found Jesus' tomb empty. And yet another Mary, there's so many Marys, like you think they would have different names. Mary of Clopas is the wife of Clopas, and she's another follower of Jesus. Simon of Cyrene was there. He carried Jesus's cross. Lastly, there were a number of centurions and a number of unnamed women. As is one of the theories that when the disciples fled, they were hiding in various places to witness Jesus's death, having different views and may have heard different conversations depending on where they were. So in Mark verse 41, in Galilee, the woman had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. So although there have been different interpretations on how many and which women were present when Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected, the important fact is that all these women supporters came and were present. How comforting it must have been for Jesus to see all these many women around the cross loving him. There is just something about women that is so sensitive to suffering and seeming weakness that causes them to rise to the occasion. We know that everything about suffering of Jesus was foretold in scripture and prophecies. So there is no doubt that God planned these women to be there with his son in his greatest need. This is in stark contrast to the absence of 11 or 12 of Jesus' apostles. Jesus' disciples were hiding and filled with fear, but the women were there with love, tears, pain, and no fear for their lives. As we move forward in this story, it was the women who saw where Jesus had been buried. It was the women who found the tomb empty and saw Jesus had been resurrected. I find this to be fascinating because women at this point in history had no legal status to their testimony. 
women's evidence could never be brought into court. Women were viewed as being inferior and unreliable. Yet God makes these women his witness at a time in history in which no other society would have trusted them with this job. God has taken down these class barriers and shared the gospel with this group of women. So all the women that followed Jesus from Galilee were women that Jesus had healed. For example, Jesus had cast out the demons in Mary Magdalene. None of them deserted Jesus when he appeared weak and defeated. They ministered to him. They later made plans to honor him by preparing his body for burial. They grieved over his suffering and death. These women did what needed to be done, not for personal gain or selfish ambition. They did it for the gratitude and a desire to give help. They stayed behind to witness the body of Jesus placed in the tomb and sealed. They modeled perseverance even when the cause seemed lost. They modeled community in their traveling and working together with Jesus and for Jesus. Christ himself commissioned them to be the first to announce the good news of his resurrection. We may not know the exact names of all of these women, but God knows who they are. These women, named and unnamed, did their work without hope of recognition in this life. Their hope in God was confirmed in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 42, it was preparation day. That is the day before Sabbath. So the people were not allowed to work on Sabbath day, which was the Saturday after Good Friday when Jesus died. So Sabbath day was between Good Friday and Easter Sunday when Jesus rose. We will find that a number of people worked very quickly together in order to get Jesus off the cross and give him the proper burial that he deserved before and after Sabbath. So in Mark verses 43 to 45, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When Jesus had learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Jesus, or to Joseph. So before we continue to look at the people who are present at Jesus' death, I feel it's really important to take a closer look at this passage that Mark recorded. He said, Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. Somebody of the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. Firstly, it gives more evidence to skeptics that Jesus actually died. Secondly, criminals hanging on the crosses sometimes took days to die. The centurions would often break the legs of people being crucified. This would expedite their death because if their legs were broken they couldn't push themselves up in order to catch a breath. Jesus on the other hand died surprisingly quickly. There was no need to expedite his death. It was surely God's plan to shorten Jesus's suffering on the cross. We have a pretty interesting mix of people at this point in the story. 
there's a Roman centurion who's a pagan. And as you remember from Jeff's um, sermon last week, this hardened military man says when Jesus dies, surely this man was the son of God. There are the women who make up their own class. And there's Joseph of Arimathea, Arimathea who is a wealthy member of the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling party, which makes him a Pharisee. So these very different groups or classes of people are all making positive responses to the death of Jesus. Joseph showed great courage to ask for Jesus's body. Joseph was a secret follower of Jesus and was always afraid of what might happen to him if the Romans found out that he was a follower of Jesus. And now he was asking for the body of Jesus. It seems his status wasn't as important to him as his devotion to Christ. He wasn't afraid of risking his power and wealth in order to serve Jesus. He's become humble to let others see who is most important in him. In John chapter 19, verse 39, he finds out that Nicodemus was Joseph's accomplice. So in John chapter 19, verses 39 to 40, he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jesus' burial customs. In verse 46, so Joseph, so Joseph bought some linen, took down the body, wrapped Jesus in linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance to the tomb. So we continue to see that Joseph and Nicodemus' characters are changing. They did what they did out of love and devotion for Jesus. Here are prominent men in their society who took down Jesus' dirty body, beaten with insides coming out of it, washed it, and wrapped it in linen. It was usually the women or slaves that had this disgusting job of taking the cadavers off of the crosses. But Jesus and Nicodemus didn't ask women or slaves to do it. Jesus and Nicodemus did something incredibly culturally inappropriate at that time. In verse 47, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Hoseas saw where he was laid. This is incredibly important to our story. Again, I mentioned that God used these specific women to be the catalyst for Jesus' post-resurrection reports. These women knew exactly where Jesus was laid, so there was no question or confusion as to why Jesus was not there the following day on Easter Sunday. It was the woman's quiet faithfulness who continued to serve Jesus through this tragic time, right up to the end of Jesus' life on this earth. The men, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, were also people who were never thought that they would ever be there for Jesus during this time. But they boldly asked for Jesus' body in order to give Jesus the dignified burial that they thought he deserved. 
They did it quietly without asking for help or support. They did it not to earn recognition, but to love on him. God continues to notice these people who work behind the scenes without asking for recognition. They could be the Sunday school teachers who are with your kids on Sunday morning. It could be those preparing meals for the homeless in our town. It could be the family fostering a child. They do it for the love of others and for the love of God. This coming week, make a conscious effort to thank those who unassumingly help others in need. I'm really honored that I've had this chance to talk to you about Jesus' death on the cross, that God gave his only son to be tortured and left to die a labor death so that our sins could be forgiven. That these people in this story from all walks of life, from different classes of society, got together to honor Jesus. Thank you.